G'day there, Sidnets and Swanlings. 2012 Premiership player Nick Smith here. It's my pleasure, as always, to introduce a bevy of bloods, a fan podcast of the Sydney Swans Football Club, brought to you by Noddy and Steve-O, a pair of red and white tragics. So pop on the kettle and settle in as the boys has an in-depth chat about the Swans' last game, the Swans' next game, and a little bit about footy too. This is Nick Smith signing off until next week's episode. But in the meantime, remember, be good to your bloods and they'll be good to you. All right, welcome back to a bevy of bloods. I'm Chris, and with Noddy Away, you are stuck with me as host. The good news, though, is that we've got a very special guest with us, one of the bevy, Jules. Jules, nice to have you back. Thanks, Chris. Great to be back. Would prefer it to be on the back of a win, but looking forward to it nonetheless. <laughs> That's right. We've we got to do what we've got to do here. But uh, look, in this episode number 36, we're going to be reviewing the Swannies Round 7 game. So as Noddy says, fluff up your tail feathers and settle in for a potentially biased yarn about all things to do with our beloved Swans. So Yesterday, on a Sunday twilight game, our Sydney Swans lost to the Brisbane Lions by 24 points with a final score of 13-11-89 to Brisbane's 17-11-113. So, first impressions. Jules, what did you think of that? Well, it's always tough to lose on your home deck. And, look, uh, kudos to Brisbane. It was a complete team performance and they are really showing the rest of the competition that they're the number one threat to Melbourne going back-to-back. They had an even spread of 10 goal kickers. Very hard to compete with that. A couple of things from our side. Um, Our structure certainly lost its way as we crumbled under Brisbane's pressure particularly in our defensive half. And losing a game with Buddy Kick 6, wow, that's only ever happened once before. So, yeah, it's disappointing, but uh, we move forward. Yeah, look, that's right, isn't it? It's one of those – Buddy came out of the blocks just screaming and we just really couldn't do it. I I, I agree with all the points there. I think their pressure was really high. Uh, Fagan in the press conference afterwards was really, really wrapped at the way that his team played. I think that's about as good as their team's going to fire off. I think everything was working for him. And, of course, Neil, that you'll talk about in a second, was going absolutely bananas. So, hey, that's that's what, we, what we're what we saying here. It's, it's that we're in contention, but it looks like we were beaten by a much better team yesterday. So um, in terms of key takeaways and stats, uh, what do you have on your side? Well, look, it's probably nothing new, but Lockie Neal is an absolute beast. He finished with 37 disposals um, and unbelievably 26 of them were contested. So in a a real pressure game, I mean, that's that's just unbelievable numbers. 11 clearances, 9 tackles and 10 score involvements plus a goal of his own. So he had an absolute ripper of a game. Um, in terms of in terms of our our, our, our team, um, the back six just had a really tough day out. To me, it looked like they lacked a bit of cohesion and communication. It didn't it it you know it didn't help that our defensive leader Dane Rampey had an absolute shocker of a game by his very lofty standards. Um, and we really need um, for him to you know to be up and about if, if we're going to compete. Um, you know things aren't going well when you have Isaac Heaney being forced to go back as a spare man in defence. So I think that, that that kind of says it all. I think that, that, that's a pretty good summary right there. I think yeah. 
Um, look, I, I would probably take away the the dual rocks that we had to work with, right? So um, it was Laddams versus um, uh, Oscar McInerney and uh, Foot. Uh, sorry, Fort Darcy Fort. Um, and it was tough. He, he had a tough game. I think he was beaten pretty soundly in the first uh, half of the game, um, where he you know he's battling pretty hard against two very 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 capable uh, ruckmen, um, and uh, yeah, just couldn't really get it done. So in the first quarter, I got a couple numbers here. In the first quarter, he had uh, twenty um, ruck contests, and he won the two. Uh, whereas uh, Oscar McInerney and uh, Fort won 17 of them. So just got soundly beaten in that first quarter. Um, second one, a little bit better, uh, where he's kind of dragged it up to 30%. So that's seven uh, wins out of 23 rock contests. Um, and then by towards the end there, that was kind of what his standing was. And he was a bit better towards in that fourth quarter, winning over 40% of his uh, ruck contest. So first um, quarter, 10%. Um, the next second and third quarters, he had 30% wins. And then the last one, over 40%. So it seemed like he dragged it back. Um, but it, it's just kind of asked the question. And a, a question of yourself straight off the bat here would be, when Hickey's in, what do we do? What do you think? <laughs> Look, you know, it's 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 not it's not a bad problem to have because last year when Hickey went down, we we were really looking around for some options. So. Look, look, you have to bring Hickey back in, um, and it, it would be interesting to you know to see really um, how flexible Laddams Laddams can be around the rest of the ground in terms of a, of a marking option. But look, for me, um, Hickey has well and truly earned his spot, and he comes straight back in. Yeah, for sure. I think yeah. it's one of those ones where do we send one of them up forward? I mean, we know Hickey's a good kick at goal. We've seen him being pretty consistent um, every time he gets an option up there. Mm-hmm. Um, do we have a younger Laddams to run up there forward? I think he was learning a bit of that forward craft over at Port from memory. Yeah, unfortunately, he's he hasn't kicked a goal yet, has he? He had a, he had a couple no, of cracks got, at it. He's got one. He's got one. He's okay. Got one, yeah. Okay. I think I think he might have I think he might have missed one on the weekend, which was which which I thought was a bit disappointing because I think was um it was sort of right in front. But look, he's he's cer- he's certainly a great contested mark, which is what you want out of a out of, out of, out of a tall guy. So um if if they can both be flexible enough, to, you know, to to play in different positions, then I can't see a reason why we wouldn't have both in the side. Yeah, that's right, and it's it's kind of. We'll maybe talk about it a bit later, but it also then asks the question, Amadi, how does he get get himself into the side? Do we ever see Sinclair again if these two fellas are healthy? So uh, Laddam's just doing the number, I think, is keeping his spot. Yeah, absolutely. All righty. Uh, look, it's a bit harder during a, a loss, as Noddy's mentioned in the past and as Steve-O has mentioned. Um, but what were your favourite moments of the game or missed chances? Yeah, it is always hard after a loss, but look, we're we're glass half full fans. So, um, look, I think that Lance Franklin um, in that third quarter was the best that we've seen from him in a, in in quite in quite a long time. To be to be honest with you, in that third term, he kicked four goals in eleven minutes, and he helped out for a fifth to bring us within three points. So he nearly, nearly, nearly uh, won won the, won the game off his own boots. So, yeah. Can't can't go past the individual um, effort of Lance Franklin. Um, absolutely. Yeah, nice. He's 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 not getting older 
it doesn't feel like is he seems to be just sticking he wound the clock back that's for sure yeah (laughs) and then do we just say at this point sign him up for next year like at what point do we start having that conversation where is it by the half by the by are we we, do we know whether he's going to sign on for another year is that when we make the decision yeah I, i think the ball's in his court if he's if he if he backs himself and he look he knows his body better than anybody and i think the coaches take actually a a lot of advice you know from lance himself in regards to how he's going so you know he's not missed many this year um obviously you know the 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 broken finger but that was you know not not really to do with an older body so um look at this point in time if lance is ready to sign then absolutely assign him on for another one look he's coming equal was it equal seventh in the uh in the race no equal fourth in the race in the Coleman so um Tom Hawkins up there with 22 goals Lance Franklin right down there at 18 it's only four off the mark and as you said he had a week off with the finger mm. to make it particularly special as well you've got Isaac Heaney with 18 as well so we've got these uh Isaac Heaney is a halftime uh forward he's up there with the Coleman so you just wonder whether I don't know does he spend more time up there to kind of give Franklin another another man as another target but well exactly I mean look having someone like Lance in the side allows Heaney to kick those goals right because it's um you know he can sort of run riot when when, when Lance is picking up at you know at least two defenders which seems to be the way of it so mm. um look a, 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 absolutely um we would be crazy to not to not keep Lance in as, as as long as he's willing and it you know with with now Papley back in the side um, we really need those extra avenues to go. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk about Papley in a little bit. I think we've got a little bit to talk about over that side. But one thing I do want to say about the the the, the buddy moment when he was, I think, it was his third goal. Um, he was lining up for that snap kick uh, in the pocket, and in the camera footage had in the background a picture of a fellow that was just staring at Buddy with what could only be described as love of lifetime. <laughs> get in uh, line just, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and the, and i think it was sports bet or something had a good little meme it said like uh find somebody who looks at you the way that this guy looks at buddy franklin and i'm like i think that's thirty thousand people at the ground most times so. <laughs> oh, definitely yeah yeah he, he he certainly gets the fans through the turnstiles that's for sure yeah for sure yeah. so hey we i think we spoke about it last year as well uh on his way up to the thousand whether we he was worth the money and at the time we both agreed yeah um i kind of feel that's kind of this is just extra icing on the cake to be as competitive as it is in his last year of his contract oh absolutely i mean look the way that he moves so you just you cannot believe he's 35 and do you know what shocked me actually about lance on the weekend was his um his his overhead marking which he's not normally known for but geez he he took some absolute beauties on the weekend so yeah a few more strings to his bow look out Maybe they replaced his finger with some kind of bionic uh, magnet. Possibly. Sticky got, fingers. Sticky fingers. He's got the money for it. Maybe yeah. he's got the yeah, bionic man. You never know. <laughs> we'll rebuild him better. Anyway. Um, look, uh, let's move down a little bit further. Now, the Bevy's BNF. So uh, this is the ABOB medal, which is uh, our equivalent of the Bob Skilton medal. Uh, the Bevy's best bloods this week in three, two, one point order were Mills, Parker, and then Buddy. Uh, Jules, do you want to take it away with Mills? Yeah, look, the great players stand up when the rest of the team is flat. And Callum Mills, with 30 disposals and one goal, he absolutely played his guts out like he has done week in, week out. So, yeah, well done, Millsy. Um, 
Luke Parker, like Mills, battled all evening. He finished with 33 disposals, 21 of them contested, eight clearances and six score involvements. So, again, he can very much hold his head up high. And then, uh, of course, the big man, Buddy, single-handedly dragging us back into it, cutting a big halftime deficit to just three points. Yeah. Simply sensational. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And with Mills, he did seven tackles as well. I think uh, team high. Oh, no, maybe second uh, in the team with Warner getting eight. So pretty tidy effort by Mills in defense as well. He did go over to Neil to try to stem some of that, uh, some of that uh, effect that he was having around the contest. Um, it seemed in, in watching the game again, he had a bit of an impact. But I think by that point, the game was kind of getting away from us, and we need to be more offensive rather than defensive. At that point, so I, I, I watching the game, Neil had uh, Mills initially go over to him, uh, row bottom for a little while there, and also Warner. Mm. But one thing I did notice is that Warner's attention span on his man is not quite there. <laughs> yeah, he lacks a little bit of maturity, I think. He, I said, he wants to be where the ball is. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. He was looking for an offensive out rather than being a defensive man, which is just something you got. It's a two-way game. It's something you got to learn in time. So we're not going to smash him. It's just the way it is at the beginning, just a, a good opportunity for him to learn tagging what is the game's best mid at the time. So it is what it is. And, um, yeah, look, um, Parker – the other, the other stat for Parker uh, with getting two points in the ABOB is the five inside 50s. So definitely up and around it, um, trying to wheel the game forward. Um, I thought it was a tough one for me. I really felt that Parker might have got three points here. Um, but Mills definitely deserved it, and Parker was a very close second. And so uh, it's, you know, he's been doing this consistent football his entire life. And we're used to it. And when he's not there to do it, I don't know what, what's going to happen with my life. I really don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's certainly the heartbeat, the heartbeat of our side, that's for sure. Thank, yeah. thank goodness he signed on for a little while longer. That's it. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And Buddy, of course, hey, in addition to the 6-0, and uh, 15 disposals on top. Um, it really got up and around. I think uh, one thing we did mention off the, at the beginning uh, before we started recording was I don't necessarily think this was his best game of the season, although the stats look incredible. Um, yeah, he had a big flush at the beginning at, at the beginning of that third, but then um, yeah, want to be quiet. Was that him, or was that just us not being able to get some clean ball out his way? Look, we were just thumping it in long, weren't we? In the beginning, it was awful. The the the, the lack of structure and the, and the lack of thought that was going in. I guess I guess it you know kudos again to Brisbane for their pressure because they just made us feel like we had no time. Mm. Um, so look, he, he, the delivery into Franklin wasn't wasn't that great, but he did look slow. Um, you know, the, the, the first couple of quarters. But, geez, that third term, absolute purple patch. Um, and you're right, I think, look, it was it was a, it was a standout. But, uh, yeah, maybe, um, you know, if, he, if he'd kind of uh, kept that momentum going, um, you know, we were, we, were, we were a big chance. Unfortunately, yeah, in that, in that fourth term they managed to. I think they changed opponents on him, didn't they? They, um, they, yeah. they, they flipped the switch. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he had a couple. Of, he had a couple there, and he kind of had a bit of success with both of them. But for the most part, they ended up shutting him down. Uh, yeah, really well it, was, it was well, well coached. Um, <laughs> goes without saying. So well done, fakes. Yeah, um, yeah. That that seemed to shut him down, and, and really sort of that momentum then was lost, unfortunately. Yeah, that's it. Look, uh, in terms of w the way that the votes went around the league. Um, 
uh, Mills didn't factor into the coaches' vote. Um, it went uh, ten to nil, as you'd imagine. Uh, then seven to Buddy, uh, seven to Zorko, who had a cracking game. We can talk about in a moment. Two to Parker, two to Max Day, one to McCluggage, great name, and one to Harris Andrews. Um, and the AFL deemed it to be for the Swans uh, in order of top to bottom, Franklin, Mills, Parker, Warner, and Laddams. So uh, knowing a bit of that, any honourable mentions for this weekend, do you think? Yeah, look, uh, we, we mentioned him just before. <laughs> he's, he's certainly not a tagger, <laughs> Chad Warner. Um, look, he's one of the youngsters who can certainly hold his head high. Um, I think you mentioned it, a team high of most tackles. Mm. Um and seven inside 50s. The number one thing that impresses me about Chad is he is so quick. Um, honestly, when he gets that ball, he just backs himself. And um, he really did actually stand up when when our backs were to the wall and, and you know, he really just um, went after his, you know, his, his game plans um, and managed to keep the confidence high. So big tick for the young fella. Yeah, his, his first three or four steps are lightning quick. He's kind of got that... Uh, maybe not as quick, but that explosiveness of a of a danger field kind of feel about it, where he grabs the ball between his hands, gets three or four steps in front, and then it's just hard to like wheel that back. He's a bloody exciting person, and uh, look, we've, we've I think we've mentioned him, if not in the top three, in definitely in the honourable mentions for every single game this year. That's yes, incredible for a third year player. Yeah, he's our most improved by by quite a margin, I would think, so far this year. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Mm. Look, I've got an honourable mention. Um, I, I, we mentioned him earlier uh, in, in the stats there, Laddams. I think I'm really happy with the way Laddams is playing. Um, I think this week was a real test. I think it was the first game he was playing against Goldie um, and, and North no, North Melbourne Kangaroos. They're not much of a team. Uh, but I think we both – and I put you, I threw you under the bus with what you said, um, <laughs> <laughs> that he was uh, too busy trialling all the pubs around Surrey Hills rather than being at the track at the time. And the only reason I said it, the only reason I threw you under the bus, because I, I genuinely kind of believed it as well. I felt that he was a bit underdone um, in the fitness side, but he has really done the number. He's um, playing the whole game through um, with the exception of, I think, one game where he had a quarter off. Um but he's yeah he just he's doing the doing the game and although Reed did um, uh, give him a hand at some points like um, let's have a look a quick look at the um, stats for rock contests you had Reed in there for twenty four of them and uh, throughout the whole game and you've got Laddams in there for eighty seven so Laddams mm. definitely taking the brunt of that effort. Yeah, I take it all back, Laddams. <laughs> I think, um, look, you know, maybe he needed that, you know, that, that first game to just get into it a bit. And he, he certainly seems to have bought into our game plan and, and seems to understand, you know, really what his role is and, and how he can, you know, assist the mid. So, um, yeah, he look, he's he has been very, very impressive. And the good thing is that, you know, I think there's a lot of improvement still in him to go. So, yeah, it could be a very good pickup. Yeah, I think so. I think I was devastated by losing Aaliyah Leah, but and he's gone on to have a great career over there at Port Adelaide, although they're struggling at the moment, but it's not his fault. He's doing his job. All-Australian last year, uh, mm-hmm. brilliant. So, But to pick up Laddams, look, at this rate, he is. I think we're winning that trade so far. So I'm very, very, very happy. Um, the other honourable mention on my side would be Heaney, just doing sneaky things. Heaney had 
in quotes, another quiet night with just the three goals. You know, <laughs> so, you know you're going well when they're saying that about you. Yeah, when you're like, well, I didn't really factor into the game. No, yeah. he did pretty strongly and he just didn't quite have that impact. Um, he didn't get his hands on the ball as much. He wasn't playing out of the middle. I, I don't know whether that's going. To, that's just because uh, we had uh, Logan out um, this week or and we had um, Papley playing more in the middle. But, yeah, something something that interested me. Yeah, possibly just being on the back foot, as I mentioned. I think they even mm. sent him back a few times. So I think, um, you know, he just he was where he was sent wherever he was told to go, which unfortunately for us, you know, it does, doesn't necessarily uh, mean good things <laughs> if he's not up forward uh, kicking goals and, and moving the ball forward. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think we're in a yeah. It, 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 we're just happy to have him on the ground. Just stay healthy, Heaney. I think you're going to be wrapping up all Australian pretty well. I think at some point. Um, look, that's. We've got a couple probably hot topics to talk through. Firstly, we'll just touch on the how do we pull up after the match um, and any MRO. There was one moment with a Haywood uh, bump where mm -hmm. I th – oh, I'm trying to remember. Was it Rainer? Daniel Rich. Rich. He, yeah. 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 Yeah, that was a, that was an interesting one. Um, look, you know, a little bit biased, I suppose. But um, look, you know, for mine, Hayward was forced into that action. He was actually uh, pushed pushed into the in, in, into the player by another um, Lions Lions player, and appeared to actually brace with his shoulder rather than elect to bump. Mm -hmm. um, and the good thing is that Daniel Rich jumped back up, no harm done, straight back up. Uh, which is obviously a really good sign, um, and and we know the MRO really do look at um, you know at, at, at whether or not anybody's hurt. So I, I think for mine, he's okay. Yeah, I think so too. I haven't seen anything uh, describing otherwise. I think the MRO, especially these days, is particularly um, touchy. So it's it's a favourite uh, topic in the Twitter world uh, where people just start just you know, calling out absolutely everything, just hoping that nothing gets called because it's been incredibly inconsistent with the bumping this year, mm -hmm. um, starting with Blakey getting hit by Tim English in, in our game against the Bulldogs. Um, and then you had, oh, who's the big man from uh, St Kilda? I've just had a, uh, a blank. Uh, well, he gets done for a week for what seemed to be a similar bump. And Mitch Robinson had to sit out one or two for his hit uh, as well. But I think that one kind of came with a, a bit of a concussion test. So that's why that yeah, one Yeah, it's a big difference, isn't it? If if, yeah. if, if, a, if a player fails to get up immediately, um, they certainly seem to pay a bit more attention to it. Yeah, and I guess while we're at it, let's just let's maybe have a quick chat. Have you been paying attention to the way the MRO has kind of been structured or going this year or uh, well, look, there hasn't there hasn't seemed to have been um, anything major so far this year. I know we talked a lot about it last year. I think I, I think I think it, it still seems to be pretty inconsistent, as you just mentioned. I mean, look, we don't actually know what's going to end up happening, you know, to to Will Hayward. I think this will tell us a lot, you know, really about how they how they're going. Because I think in in this instance, I don't know what else Will could have done. Um, you know, he really had to, um, you know, defend himself a little bit as well. So, um, yeah, look, it'll be interesting to see how they, how, how the MRO see it. Um, but I know last year there was, you know, I certainly had a few issue, issues with it, but it's obviously seems to, when it com comes to our, our players, we pay a little bit more attention to it. 
Yeah, that's it. I, I think it's. I think the other one, the only other one that's kind of come up. I think that was last week where Buddy uh, ran into an umpire, but it, it seemed yeah. like that umpire ran into him rather than the other way around. Um, and I know Mills has been done for accidentally tripping an umpire as well. I think game one, uh, round one. So it's there's at least look from the the pub test from the pub mm. eye test. Um, the MRO is not really past it. <laughs> it's been no. pretty inconsistent for the last few years, and doesn't seem to be getting a whole lot better. No, you know, an interesting um, stat that I heard the other day is that, um, you know, we're always going on about the umpires. The Sydney Swans um, received the least amount of free kicks, but they're also the side that's um, the least reported, which is right. really interesting. Uh, considering how many free kicks we give away, there's not a lot to, to them a lot of the time by the by the sounds of it. So, Yeah, I think maybe ever since Barry Hoare has left the team. <laughs> that's it. That's it. There was, uh, there was a couple of moments. I don't know if any Swans fans remember some of those moments, but mm-hmm. yeah, the Brent Staker, anyone? <laughs> <laughs> I was I was at that game. That was just intense. That was pretty pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, look, well, yeah. Look, the other thing that kind of came up out of the match was that Cunningham left in the fourth quarter uh, for what seemed to be the groin. Um, Bell came in. Uh, and uh, it seemed like Charlie Cameron gave himself a little bit of extra room to get around. So I haven't heard anything about the Cunningham groin, have you at all, Jules? No, it's down as a test from what I could see. So right. he sh- it looks like he should be okay. Oh, good. Okay. Look, yeah, and on that point, there are some very angry Swans fans out there with Cunningham about uh, every time we lose, uh, they're, they're right on his back. But I would generally say that I thought he played a pretty decent game by keeping, um, you know, uh, Cameron down uh, pretty well. I don't think Cameron got a single touch in that first quarter. I'm just going to do some stats investigation as we're talking. Um, It's easy to pick on the defenders when you lose. Um, And I know I did it at the beginning. Um, I, yeah, I I don't, Cunningham was far from our worst. I'm going to be honest with you. I I love him to pieces, but Dane, Dane Rampey was bloody awful. Mm. Uh, the amount of times that he punched it out when he could have marked it um, and just the communication uh, with all of them was just, yeah, could, could use some improvement. Mm. Yeah, look, I've been calling it out for like since the beginning of the season too. I, I just felt that our back line is just not gelling as smoothly as it has other times. And I don't know whether that's because maybe someone like a ramp has lost half a step or whether um, you know some new faces in there are just trying to work out how it comes together. But mm. I couple of weeks there where we had a really good run where you had like some of the mids like Parker and, and Mills kind of falling back. You had some of the, the wingers being the more traditional centermen, which is like coming up the center. Um, and we had a good structure moving, but the, the Lions pressure, it's just too damn good. Like, Oh, it was outstanding. I mean, we, we couldn't get it out just about. Um, it was just, it was, it was just, uh, <laughs> they put, they, suff- they absolutely suffocated us. Um, and look, you know, in some, you know, in some instances, there's not a lot you can do about that when you've got, I mean, let's face it, they're, they're an unbelievable side. Um, and they were on big time and we weren't, uh, but certainly seemed to lack a little bit of leadership back there. Um, so I'm sure there'll be some discussions about that during the week. Do you have any, uh, ideas of, is it a structural thing? Is it just a player-on-player player thing? Do you have any opinion of it? Like? Look, it just—it to me, it just seemed like it was a lack of communication. 
Um, they didn't seem to know what the other players were doing. Again, um, you know, as I mentioned, there seemed to just be some poor decision making, a lot of punching out when there were easy marks, which, which to me, yeah, just sort of speaks of um, sort of lack of cohesion and awareness and, um, you know, team, overall team support because um, it's really hard to just blame blame you back six you know defense you know defense is happening all over the ground and 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 let's be honest um you know even in a, in in our forward in our in, in our forward 50 we were not tackling uh, or chasing like brisbane were i think there was just a lack of intent um mm. all over mm. look I, I yeah i'd agree with you i i'd go so far as to say i think one-on-one our players in the back six there are still insanely good um yeah. So, uh, but it is to me a little bit of cohesion, a little bit of um, a structure, um, just knowing not knowing when the, what the out is. But you still, I, I would still put Rampy next to you know, any any forward. I would still put Cunningham in, next to any small forward. Um, and I think they're still doing their job. One thing that I particularly like, and it's just kind of he's just getting it done in the back, and he's just being quiet about it, is um, my boy there, Brandon Cable. Campbell. Yeah. Gosh, he's a very good decision maker. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's a tough kid too. He's just mm. he, he when you talk intent, he's got it. Like he wants to get the ball. He wants to hurt someone along the way. He's getting it done. He had 13 disposals at 92% efficiency. Um, playing that you no know, that pocket and uh, that uh, half back kind of role. Uh, like he's he's a dangerous. He's got a great kick. Um and he's he's a kid who wants it. So uh, he's going to be Look, he may be a big part of our mids in time uh, as he gets a bit bigger and a bit more time under him, similar to what we have with Mills. But for right now, to have him in that halfback line, it's we are so happy. We're so lucky. Well, and look, let's face it, Millsy as a midfielder is so much better for that time and defence. Like just the way that he, you know, sees the game and 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 seizes that pressure. You know, he he defends better than anyone, and you know, as 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 we know, um, midfielders <laughs> it is a two way job, um, and I think it's it's the perfect the perfect education um, for someone for someone like Braden Campbell to kind of follow that similar path. Yeah, for sure. Like, and he's got some pretty fantastic people that can teach him. Uh, with Cunningham, Lloyd, uh, Rampy, uh, say what we want to say about their their time in the last couple of games, but um, their careers have been stellar. Um, uh, so we, we, we it's a tough job. Let's face it, back there. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Playing against the game's absolute best, yeah. especially at Brisbane with all of the fireworks that they have. Far out. Yeah, big time. Look, another one that we need to talk about who's just get kind of come back into the game, Joey Kennedy. So we saw him back into the middle. Uh, 27 pressure acts, uh, second on the ground, uh, 16 centre bounces attendance, which is third in the Swans behind Mills and Parker. So he was right in the mix of it. Having said that, I think from memory, Parker had about 25. So he was a bit behind, but nonetheless, he was in, the, in, in amongst it all. Um and the other little sneaky thing that's kind of happening, it's not so sneaky. I know our man Zane Red and White's been flagging it on Twitter as well. But Joey Kennedy is eight contested positions away from being the all-time leader. Did you see this coming, Jules? I couldn't believe it, to be honest with you. I mean, look, we've we've been spoiled. Uh, with Joey Kennedy in our side, you know, for the last, what is it, 10 years or thereabouts. Yeah. Um, look, that is an unbelievable stat. So who who will he overtake? He's going to overtake Gary Ablett. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, July, uh, junior. So that's yeah, right. humongous. And to put it in a bit of context, I always love to cut to get the peers back to, uh, back to back. Um, Joey Kennedy's doing this in his 286th game, whereas Ablett got to his 4,000 in 357. So about, what's that, 70-odd games, 71 yeah. more games to make it happen. Like that is. He's done it at a gallop. At a gallop. He's also in the top, when I'm looking at the numbers right now, the average of contested possessions by uh, Dangerfield is at 13.45. And then you've got Joey Kennedy at 13.96. So like significantly better every single game over the mark. So to put some extra names in there, Sam Mitchell averaging about 10. uh, Simon Black averaging at 11. Uh, Monday averaging at nine. I mean, it's just the fact that the guys played a thousand games is why. Um, you got some other names in here Trent Cotchen, uh, averaging at 10.8, and with Joey Kennedy averaging at almost 14 per game, like he's huge. We forget he's how one of he the is. greats, one of the greats. Yeah, the only one that's remotely close to him. Uh, in terms of averaging, is Nat Five? He's actually got fourteen point seven, so he's over, and only played two hundred two games. So it's a bit of a shame for the Five. He's not being able to stay healthy, but nonetheless, mm-hmm. our great Joey Kennedy. So next week at the game, if he gets he will if he plays the game, there's a very strong chance he overtakes Gary Ablett Jr. as the greatest contested possession person of all time, which is massive. Huge. Well done, Joey. Amazing. Um. All right, so from that high, uh, let's talk about something else, Papley. Um, Papley back from his hammy uh, that he sustained, I believe, the week before we went live or two weeks before we went to the season. Um, played his first game in round seven um, and played a little bit out of the centres mostly. Um Jules, uh, it didn't seem like he had too much of an impact. What, what do you think? No, well, he had 10 possessions and didn't hit the scoreboard. So, um, again, we do have pretty lofty expectations of Tom Papley, but that that was a real shame. It looked to me um, like the game was just moving too fast <laughs> for him. Um, you know, let's face it, he has just, you know, returning from this hamstring in- injury, um, and we really actually could have done with his trademark energy infusions, which he, you know, normally injects into the game but he just yeah he 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 looked he looked like he needed a game at least one game in the VFL build a bit of confidence and um yeah just kind of get himself into the headspace of of what it means to play AFL yeah no doubt I, I I agree with all of that um the other thing like disposal efficiency at 60 percent, so not fantastic he did have 12 pressure acts so kind of got, did a little bit three tackles so really didn't factor in the game much the, there was some commentary about um he probably should have come through the vfl i mean i'm I, i'm not agreeing with that but how do you feel about that yeah, well, look, John John Longmire said it. You know, Tom Tom will be better for it. <laughs> you know, for this game, I think we would have been better for him to play in the VFL and to have somebody else in. To to be perfectly um, honest with you, I think you know he he was he was well off the mark, and I, I don't know necessarily um, if that if that was the best way to go. I think what Tom needed was probably a, a, an injection of confidence. 
um, and just get himself back into it. So, look, um, I think we, you know, we spoke about it off air, but, you know, that the standard of the VFL is is not, you know, not what, not what, what we would like it to be. Um, but I think, you know, for someone like Tom, just one week in there, just as I said, just kind of have a run around and, and sort of, um, you know, just get himself up to, up to that standard again um, was, was probably what he needed. Yeah, it, it was a bit like, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, of course, so that we've got to factor that in into the way we look at this one. But it, it did seem a bit unusual to throw him straight into the fire against, you know, the, the second best team in the comp. Um, and we knew that this game was going to be huge with both teams, what, 6-1, and one, um, or chasing 6-1 and one and trying to get to that point. So it was a, an interesting pick um, in horse we trust for the most part. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the VFL, it is, the, as you said, uh, watching the game uh, before, before at the SCG before the main game uh, on Sunday, yeah, the VFL is not a, not remotely close to that level. Um, especially our team, we, we we just don't have the bodies, we don't have um, the smarts. We just we've got a lot of young boys in there, which is excellent for our development. I, it was very, very, very good for us, but it's just not the kind of level to kind of drag him through. But having said that, yeah, loosen up that hammy, get around the game. I think, as you said, the, the speed of the game has kind of got away from him a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, the other, I guess while we're here, um, you had um, some commentary about the Paddy McCartan footage. Did you want to just touch on that? Yeah, I look, at it and I know it's been spoken about a lot, whether or not that was appropriate for a camera to be down in the rooms while Paddy was being spoken to by a medical professional. I know that there's a lot of interest around Paddy's story because it is, you know, it is it is a big one in our game, and everybody knows his history with concussions. But I just, for me, um, I just don't know really what it adds to the game, um, that level of sort of attention um, on someone's medical issue, which should, I think, probably be private. I'm all for enhancing the game with insights and, um, you know, getting access, I suppose, to um, the coaches and um, the players, you know, where where we can in, in between the quarters and, and in, in the half and afterwards and that sort of thing. But, yeah, that sort of very personal medical footage, I think, look, we don't need to see it. Um, and I just, yeah, I found very, I found it very uncomfortable to watch and, and a bit intrusive. And I think that the players um, deserve that privacy. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with everything you said there. I'm not going to add anymore. I think that's exactly the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, look, while we're talking about injuries uh, with Paddy McCartan out with concussion, um, I did recall Horse saying that he felt perfectly fine. They're just being particularly um, uh, trigger happy with him. They want to make sure that he's got no questions about his health. So he comes, no, he comes back maybe for the next game. He had to sit 12, game, 12 days out. So yeah, he comes back. It's interesting, right, because he failed the concussion test, but the doctors don't think he was concussed. They think he mm. failed the test because of um, stress which we can right. all appreciate and understand. Um, but apparently that, that seems to be fairly common with the concussion test um, is that players that obviously have had previous um, injury and they carry a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of sort of post-traumatic, you know, um, stress related to that um, tend to struggle with the test. So, yeah, apparently, um, you know, all good really um, for Paddy. But, um, yeah, I think we're all just um, going to be hoping, you know, for the best with him. Um, and it's, you know, he certainly does put himself in the contest and doesn't shy away from it, which which makes it pretty nerve-wracking watching him. But um, let's hope that he can kind of put this behind him and, and move forward. 
Yeah, that's right. Look, it, he's not wearing the helmet anymore. Like, I'm a little bit surprised, but I, I also understand that the helmet doesn't really do a whole lot for concussion, nonetheless. The way I see it, apparently, apparently so. I mean, it does. It does seem to us sitting on the couch that you know wearing anything um, on mm. on the head would help. Um, but no, they've they've done a lot of testing on it, and I think it, it helps with with abrasions and and that sort of thing. But but not for the actual head knock. So yeah, it's just it's mostly the kind of thing that if Mum sees you wearing it you're kind of better off because she's not going to get always so wear a helmet always wear a helmet yeah right. where's your helmet chris oh, come <laughs> on, <mom. laughs> uh, a couple other injuries that are kind of set um we've got hickey who looks like he might come back uh next week he's kind of ahead of schedule that's pretty exciting what do you think really exciting yeah yeah no absolutely thrilled um yeah he he certainly has been missed so let's give the selector something to think about and and let's uh <laughs> let's see if he can be named in the squad next week yeah it's almost like tour jesus has himself some magical powers who would have thought who would have seen that coming <laughs> yeah uh, the other one is Angus Sheldrick. He did his knee. Um, it's from what I saw, he did some minor surgery, um, and it looks like he is set to come back mid-year. So a bit of a, a back step, bit of um, adversity already for the young boy. But uh, seeing what we did in round one, um, yeah, we're going to give him a lot of time to make sure that he can put his hand up and get into those seniors again. Absolutely. The other one is Fox, who uh, with his hammy is going to be training again this week, which is damn exciting because just, uh, you know, I, I think we need a Fox um, back in the team. We need some options over there. Uh, I know we've got Paddy. Um, so with Paddy out, it looked like Blakey took up the position of being a bit of a, a – uh, holding on to his man a bit more instead of being released. Um, and, of course, we had Reed kind of uh, rolling back there as well. But neither of those um, are that big body, big runner that probably a fox is. So um, it's kind of a, a tale of a contested possession man like oh, – sorry, contested marker like uh, Paddy. Um, and then the other option is kind of like, um, you know, a, a running big boy like Fox to kind of roll in. So we kind of – looks like we – do have some options coming through and it looks like we might get some help in that defensive line after all. Amazing. That would be great. Well needed in time, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. Especially uh, especially after this week. I think it's music to all of our ears to have some, some more options back there. That's it. That's it. Um, look, a couple of other things to kind of bring up. Um, firstly, uh, I think this is important that everyone listening to the podcast knows that um, – uh, both Jules and I uh, are fur parents. Um, I, we've got our respective animals. I've got my cat, Missy, uh, and you've got your dog. Uh, I, I've forgotten the dog's name, sorry. Her name is Marley. Marley. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a picture circulating about the doggy uh, being dressed up in some attire. Yes, yes. No, she got her first Guernsey, which... <laughs> She is less excited about than me. <laughs> she she try, tries to bite bite it off her. It's um it's very nice. It's knitted, nice nice knitted Guernsey. Wow. Um yeah. So no, she's learning learning the ways of uh, of, of of footy. Um and yeah, it's she's loving the season so far. She's giving it two big thumbs up. But um yeah, she might need to wait a little bit longer. Um I think to be able to, to be able to keep that Guernsey on without her trying to rip it off 
Oh no! Yeah, look, yeah. I've, uh, my, I, I, I am a crazy cat man myself. I, I've actually uh, dressed up my cat in, in an outfit once, and she did not like it. Has not liked it ever since, and was very quick to tell me all about it. And so I've not tried ever since because she is a murderous young girl. She is, <laughs> she is not one you want to get on the wrong side. Um, so the other thing that's going out there in Swanee's news, apart from dressing up our animals in attire, is the AFLW um, will have a upcoming winter comp that kicks off from May, so just about now, uh, and to July, where they'll actually have um, a few teams play a, a number of games amongst them um, to just kind of get some of the, 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 the younger players and some of the new players that are kind of coming in through the expansion of the AFLW um, to give them some opportunities to play against some other of their peers. So in the competition, you've got Tassie, uh, Northern Territory, GWS, and the Swans. I think I'm missing another team here, but I'm sorry if I am. Um, but all the games are going to be played out of North Sydney Oval. So it looks like there's some good football around. So not only the VFL kicking out, uh, not only do we have the AFL doing our thing, we've also got the AFLW actually playing some games around Sydney, which is pretty damn exciting. So, uh, Jules, have you been paying much attention to what's been going on that side? Yeah, well, look, I'm obviously thrilled that the Sydney Swans are, are going to be joining the league. Um who doesn't love more football, right? And yeah. I don't know if anyone's ever been to the North Sydney Oval, but it's a great place to watch it. Um, it's got to, got to be up there, I think, with the best the, the best views of any sporting ground um, around the world just about. It's a sensational spot to watch some football. So, yeah, let's get around it. Um, May to July. Um, cannot wait to see what the Sydney Swans um, team can do in the AFLW. That's it. And we get to see some of our new players for the first time, which would be fantastic. Um, and, yeah, I, look, I'm, I'm quietly just pumped about just getting more football around, more Swannies. I think everyone's a winner for it, which is grand. So good to see that going on. Look, as um, one last thing, we're playing the Suns at the SCG this week. Um any thoughts, tips, any memories of the Suns that you want to talk through? Mm, yes, there are a few highs and lows from our history uh, with the Suns. We don't need to look much further than last year where we played them twice. Uh, we played them in round six and we had a uh, awful 40-point loss. But then we played them again in round 23 and we crushed them by 87 points. So, <laughs> yep, that's uh, from a, from a rock bottom low, <laughs> low yeah. to a high. Um, look, for some reason, um, and I'm, I'm not really sure why it is, I have a couple of theories around it, but it always seems um, to be way harder for us playing the Suns than I ever think it, it should be. I think we've generally been um, the better side, at least on paper. Um, and I wonder if that's been down to Shuey Jew, um, obviously um, having, you know, been uh, a coach at the Swans and, and been mentored uh, by John Longmire, just his influence and knowledge of our inner workings um, it seems to have, um, yeah, seemingly been a pretty good advantage um, to, you know, to them playing us. Hopefully that advantage is dwindling, dwindling given there's, uh, you know, more time that has elapsed since he left us. Mm -hmm. um, from my side of things, we should get this done. Mm -hmm. uh, we really should. Uh, we were 100% going to be um, very, very convincing favourites. But I think what we all want to see is a more consistent performance, not just rocking up in the fourth right. quarter and doing a last-minute job. 
Right. Yeah, no, that's it. It's one of those ones where you can kind of, at the end of the day, these are all AFL teams. These are all um, yeah. good players. And if they can, each team for the most part can turn it on any quarter. And we saw it against North. North we had it, we exactly. struggled against Kangaroo. Yep. We probably shouldn't have. And- Very nearly lost it. Very yeah. nearly lost it. And, you know, we're talking about, they're talking about, you know, obviously them, them and West Coast, you know, being the potential wooden, wooden spooners. Um, mm. And, yeah, nearly nearly lost it on our home ground. Um, that's right. So, even to the point where North is looking at getting a priority pick. Like that's, I mean, that talk happens every year and it doesn't really That's off, bad, but, yeah. But that is, that, you know your club's in a bad place when they just wanted to gift you a priority pick. Mm-hmm. Like you're mm-hmm. in a bad area. Look. Yeah, the, the Suns are kind of funny. We don't play the best against the bad teams, which is kind of a bit consistent with us. Maybe it's just the youth or whatnot lately. But um, one of the things that kind of you kind of consider is Dewey is um, being coached there for ooh, some time now. Like, I don't know, what, four or five years? Yeah, at least that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, look, they've not really taken off. And they've had some good players they haven't been able to keep, which is, I dare say, not necessarily his fault. Um but they need to find the AFL is very, very vocal about making sure that the Suns um, stamp that area. They, they they knuckle it down. I was talking to a Brisbane Lions supporter on, on at the VFL, and we we're talking about the Suns and just about how everything was going. And we both were talking about how Alistair Clarkson might get himself back into the game and back into the game of coaching and and perhaps take up an assistant role or the full-time role of Stuart Drew. What do you think? Yeah, look, I, I don't think that would be the worst option, actually. I think, um, let's face it, if any club is looking for a coach, you know, the number one person on your list is is definitely Alistair Clarkson. And I think, look, Clarkson and, and Drew have a history together um, at Hawthorne. That's right. So, um I think that Jew, um, he's you know obviously thrown his thrown his hat into the ring in terms of a senior coaching role, but I think um, he would benefit probably from from the mentorship of of Clarko um, going up there and no doubt uh, make the Suns more competitive and and you know uh, again um, from a player perspective um, very attractive to a lot mm. of players to go and, and play under a coach like like Clarko so it can have a lot of flow on effects um, success breeds success so look I think um, that would be a very smart move for the that's Suns right. turn the Gold Coast into a destination club with Clarko oh. would be hilarious well they've certainly got the weather for it so I'd <laughs> <laughs> say do you think most of those boys playing down in Melbourne and Geelong uh, Falcons down there has ever seen the sun this often probably not no, so absolutely. They, they won't not. know what to do with themselves up there. They don't know what uh, don't know what it all is. So, yeah, look, uh, well, let's see how it goes. Like, I, I personally think it'd be a good thing for the AFL to get Clarko up there. Um, he's always attracts the media and attracts players. So, and it probably will attract some good coaches as well to go up with him. So, and some good staff, which is something that probably is missing up there in Gold Coast. Yeah, absolutely. Look, the, the the AFL needs needs the Suns to be successful, um, and for them to you know continue to grow their fan base, they need they need to win games of football and, and be attractive to watch. So, something needs to be done for sure. Yeah, that's it. Look, well, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you, Jules. So, on behalf of the Bevy, I would like to say thank you for everyone for listening in tune in again on thursday night for our team announcement videos and preview posts and always make sure to be keep following us on instagram and facebook and twitter at a bevy of blood for updates announcements and just some general fun stuff that we do while we're there so uh on behalf of the bevy until then up the bloods 
and Kanye Swannies. Kanye Swannies.